Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. How about those 49ers? How about that Monday Night Football game? The last undefeated team in the NFC. 31-3. They just dominate the Browns at home. I don't know that the Browns are that good. They got a lot of hype because they got some names. But they're 2-3, and which... You know, the Browns might might be better than they've been. I mean, they've had some bad teams. But nonetheless, it's about the Niners, 4-0. Going to play the Rams next week. It's a nice little game in the NFC West. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we'll have more on that coming up. The baseball playoffs. All right, that game fives. We've got a couple game fives in the National League. We'll get to all that coming up. Tuesday morning, it's all about college football coaches. They've been out talking on Mondays, doing their media availability, doing their press conferences, doing their radio interviews here on The Zone. Looking ahead, and for Utah State, that means looking ahead to a bye week. Coming off the loss to LSU, they got a week off, and then they will play Nevada. Here's Gary Anderson with PK and I on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gary, good morning. Good morning, guys. So, that one's in the rearview mirror. How healthy are you coming out of that game? Uh, well, that's not going to be a work in progress. It's a bye week, so we'll, uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, the kids come in for the Sunday treatments, and then uh, we get a lot better ideas. They go through the day-to-day. We just finished up the the film review and uh, team meeting to review the game quickly, and then uh, they'll come in at one one forty-five, and I think we'll have a a much better idea as they get the the checkups and things that they need. So, but we've got we got some issues we got to deal with, and um, we'll see. But they'll they'll fight to get back and get ready, and and the young men that are ready to go will jump out on the practice field this afternoon and start to get ready for the next couple. How disappointing was it not to be able to get it in the end zone? Oh, there's a lot of disappointment in that game. Um, you know, disappointing to allow them to do some of the things that they did in a great team. And, you know, we knew walking into that game it was uh, nothing simple, but it's simple by comment, by just talking about what our goals were going through. We knew we were going to have to tackle three, in my opinion, elite running backs, and we didn't do uh, – a good enough job consistently with that to keep them behind the chains. Um, you know, we had an opportunity to jump in the end zone early on a turnover. We were down there basically three times in a position to be able to score points and touchdowns. We scored two field goals and uh, um, threw a pick on the other one, and, and it's just that's not good enough. And, you know, defensively we had huge opportunities on um, longer drives to be able to just drop right in our zone coverages, get a little bit better pass rush. So it goes on and on. You know, that to me, that's not a uh, – the score of the game is the score of the game. It's like I told the kids this morning. We had our opportunities, and I think that they need to learn from that and understand that uh, we should pride ourselves on getting in those moments and playing our tails off and doing what we can to, to uh, you know, represent ourselves well and, and the school well. But, uh, you know, it's disappointing not to score touchdowns. It's disappointing to let them score as many points as they scored. So, uh, you know, special teams is disappointing to not block a punt that could change a game in, in, in our favor in a big way. And, uh, you know, we rough him, and that's a turnover. Uh, so we got to look at all those things and understand we played a great opponent, um, respect that opponent, but know we can definitely get better. Speaking of turnovers, Jordan Love with the interceptions. You've gone back and looked at all of them because I was surprised to look at the stats after the game and see he's thrown more interceptions this year than touchdowns. And the only game he threw more touchdowns than interceptions was Stony Brook. Uh, you've looked at all of those. How many are on him? What can be done to limit those? Well, I think it's. I don't think it's Jordan Love throwing all the picks. It's all of us throwing all the picks, and that's the way I always look at that. Whether it's 
you know, there's 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 eleven guys out there every single snap, and there's four or five coaches that are coaching the kid at the same time, and so we all have to take a, take a, a look at it and dissect it and uh, work to clean it up. And none of us want that to happen in those positions and those settings, and so we're going to work hard to make it be right. And and Jordan will um, just uh, you know stay tuned. He's going to play extremely well. I think it's very important for him. He knows. Uh, what uh, what he expects out of himself, what his team expects out of him, and his coaches, and every player around him. We got to continue to help him get better. So, it's uh, it is what it is, and we're not going to run from it. We're not going to hide from it. But uh, we're going to work to get better at it, and we will get better at it. All of us, and um, he'll he'll play very well moving forward, in my opinion. I think that uh, when you look at Utah State, it'll be judged on the success will be on the eight conference games, and then probably the, the BYU game is an interesting game as a, a so-called non-conference game, but we all know about those implications. So with that in mind, how much time do you spend reviewing a game like LSU as opposed to just getting on, and I know you got the bye, and then you got to get Nevada at the end of next week. So do you, how much time do you spend on it as far as comparing it to moving on and getting ready for the next one? Well, you know, first of all, we'll, we'll judge ourselves harder than anybody. We'll judge any uh, on the outside world, and these kids understand that. So we'll put a lot of time into this LSU film um, because we can improve. And uh, we spent an hour on it this morning. Position groups will come back and evaluate it a little bit more today. Yeah, to me, there's no, hey, let's burn that tape and move on, and let's you know throw it in a fire pit or whatever we're going to do. We're not going to do that. We're going to learn from it. We're going to study it. We played against a quality opponent. We need to evaluate it and dissect ourselves as much as we can. So that evaluation will continue for about another half hour probably as we get to the 145 meeting. we still got to watch the special teams and a little bit of offense and defense, and then we'll jump out on the practice field and start preparing. Uh, for our next two opponents with this bye week, we'll you know, do some preparation on Nevada, and we'll also do some preparation on Air Force. Uh, we're at the time of the year when we're going to spend two days on each one of those guys, and then we'll come back and obviously lock and load on, on Nevada when we get back here um, the first of next week. But we we have a, an opportunity to to gain some um, knowledge and some experience on our next two opponents, so we'll do that. But uh, there's there's you never lose a chance to learn. Um, whatever the environment may be. And we can learn a lot of things in this situation. We can learn about ourselves and the adversity that we look at um, and, and get better. Certainly Alabama and Clemson have pulled away from the rest of college football the way they've handled things the last few years. And maybe there's a group of teams that are kind of with them now, Ohio State and Oklahoma. Do you think LSU is of that caliber? Are they a cut or several cuts above most of what you see around college football? I don't know. Um, I think we'll find out, you know, in the next in the next couple of weeks as they go through there. Um, you know, it's uh, it was it was a great environment. Um, I've never been there on the sidelines. Been there in the stands once, but not in the sidelines. And um, they have elite looking football team. And to this point in the year, they've they've played to that elite form. Their scores would say that, and that what they've done on the field would say that. But to say where they're going to sit as they move through. Um, you know, who who knows? Uh, we'll have to see where they go. I thought we uh, held up very well in the line of scrimmages, especially on the defensive side of the ball, which was great to see, and we expected to, quite frankly. And, you know, they, they just made some tremendous plays. You know, the backside, there's a couple big contested balls for deep throws that our kids are right there, and they make some plays, and that's what you do when you're a great team, and they find a way to be a great team at the end of the year. You, uh, you make those plays in critical situations, and, uh, you know, so far they're doing it, and able to win convincingly most weeks. How much are money games worth it to you overall, not just the bottom line financially, but overall for the health of the program? 
Well, it's uh, you know those are discussions that are, that in my opinion, need to be deep discussions, and they need to be discussed within the whole department and understand you know where you're going and what are your goals. Um, to me, um, where we are at Utah State in this situation in this setting, we should be working hard to get those games five to eight years in advance. Um, and hopefully staying on the West Coast is where I would like to stay. You asked me the question, so I'm going to answer it. Sure. I'd like to stay on the West Coast um, as much as we can, and I'd like to get what we have with Washington State, as many ones and ones as we can. You come to us, we'll come to you. Those games are out there. They're very difficult to find, and you have to think way ahead of the game. You can't just be thinking two or three or four years in advance. It probably needs to be five to eight years in advance, and you need to be creative. And it's very difficult to do. Um, you know, this game, middle of the year, it's a tough, tough, tough spot. I don't know how it was scheduled, why it was scheduled, or the timing of the schedule, um, but it's a tough one. There's no way you can look at it and say uh, that's that's where you would like it to be because it's in a it's in a very difficult place and a very difficult time, um, and you know, happened to be this year just an extremely difficult opponent. So it is what it is. The schedule's there. There's no excuses for it. We're not sitting here saying, oh, we wish we wouldn't have played them. I'm glad we did. I think we learned a lot from it. I think our kids were in that moment, um, the ones that were prepared, were prepared and deserved to be in that moment and felt to be in that moment, I think played very, very well. And I'm sure some young guys looked at it and uh, said, holy cow, and, and adjusted to it and, and uh, played how they played in that game. So there's a lot of positives that come with it. But a scheduling theory to me is we are Utah State. We are in the Mountain West. If you don't want to come to us, then we shouldn't come to you. Um, and I don't know what that means in the big budget. I don't know if that's, oh, my goodness, there's no way we can do that because we have to have this game for the money or we're chasing this much money or there's a ground figure saying we need this much money for that game. I don't know that. But that's me as the football coach speaking. And, and I know there's a lot of coaches in the Mountain West that feel the same way. Um, and I've had conversations with them. But oh, ideally for your football team, you would like to say, if you want to come here and play, you will come there and play you. Um, some teams do that a lot, you know. I mean, San Diego State seems to get that done quite frequently. Boise seems to get that done quite frequently. And when Boise does go, usually they're going to go play somebody in a neutral side or whatever it is. And I know they're Boise, and they have that name over the years. Florida State this year was an example. That was a neutral site they were going to go play at. Didn't end up being, but it was scheduled to be. So uh, that's how I see it, you know. Uh, but you need a plan, and you need to jump on that plan. And to get it that way, if that is your plan, um, which that's not my decision to make those plans. That's other other decisions are made down those lines. I'd like to be involved in it, and five to eight years in advance to help this program for a long time to come, not uh, not just the time that uh, you know we're going to be here. Yeah, from the San Diego State perspective, I think they catch a break there because people want to recruit Southern California, and it's another way to you know make your program a little more visible down there. Do you think that for your program, getting it into the opening week or two of the season, so it's not in the conference season, and you know, I, I mean, I know you don't want to talk about C.O.C. Mariner's health probably specifically, but everybody sees him go down. I'm sure Aggie fans are thinking, "Oh, great." Yeah. Yeah, and but this is the first time, to my knowledge, it's been like this. It was gonna, you know, just be, and again, why this game was scheduled at this point, I have no idea. I've never asked the question, nor do I feel the need to ask the question on why we scheduled this game this time of the year in that setting. It it, it is it, it it is what it is, and it was scheduled when it was scheduled. But yes, I mean, you would rather play these games at the first of the year. Um, and right out of the gate. The teams are unfamiliar with each other. Everything's different. Teams are not the same team. Teams they are game one, in my opinion, as they are game four and game five. They're just not. They're not the same football team. They haven't played together They're in a game for the first time. There's a lot of things that go into that. And But but then again, it, it, you got to look at it and say, okay, what is your ultimate goal? Is, is we have to have we have to have this check. 
okay, if that's, if that's what we have to do, then let's say we have to have this check and understand where we're at and, and you know, that the expectations for your season at that point and your program is a little, it's a little different in my opinion. So we, you can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too in those spots and those settings. And, you know, you got to have a football program. You got to have all the program, football program needs to support the athletic program. Um, as a whole, and that is part of the drill. Um, but the opportunity for us to have it early, and that's been like that every time. So again, this seems to be a unique scenario. Was it ideal? No, I don't think anybody would say it was ideal, but it doesn't mean that it changed how we prepared, how we wanted to go play the game, or what our expectations were when we played the game. With the early signing period now, I think you're, what, you're in your second or third year uh, as far as that goes. And What's it in December as opposed to you still have the one in February, but you've, the NCAA added this one. My thought to you is how important now is the in-season recruiting, particularly with this bye week, with that early signing period being what it is as opposed to pushing it back and waiting till February? Oh, I like both signing periods. You know, quite honestly, I like the early signing period for our opponents much more than I like the early signing period for us, to be quite honest. Um, If we're going to sign a young man in the early signing period, he has to be just a 100% absolute, hey, this guy is a difference maker. Um, Because there's a lot of really good football players that don't sign early for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes overlooked, sometimes under-recruited, sometimes uh, because they don't want to sign yet, sometimes because they're still confused. The list goes on. And so we we like both signing periods. Um, I think they're both going to help us in a big way. Now, this year we're very different. Right now we have, you know, uh, five initials left. There's six and maybe six initials left as we go through there. So this signing class is going to be extremely small for us. And uh, that would include hopefully three or four missionaries on top of that and maybe a couple, three or four push forwards on that. But this class is going to be very, very small, so it's it's important when we do evaluate that we're evaluating what we see as definite needs. And then when you put the transfer situation in on there, we will recruit transfers, um, and we'll be aggressive recruiting transfers And because uh, it's like the JC situation. You have to really educate yourself on transfers just like you do um, on junior college kids, often more so than you do on high school kids because their story is different, and you have to make sure that they're a fit for us and a fit for Cash Valley. So both signing, signing periods are very important for us. I don't put a higher value on one than the other. How much negative recruiting do you face? That's way out of the way. You won't be comfortable there, especially with African-American kids. You're not going to be comfortable in Utah. Has that kind of, I don't know, faded or have you kind of been able to change that narrative or is that something you have to battle all the time? No, I think it's, it's changed dramatically over the years, um, and there's there's always some you know a bit of negative recruiting, and I I think that to me negative recruiting is when somebody's really taking a shot at a coach or really taking a shot of a culture, or you know the the fact that uh, you know you they you tell the story of who or what that school is that you're recruiting against or what kind of offense they run or whatever it may be. Some of those things that people deem as negative recruiting to me is not negative recruiting. That's actually educating. Um, the kid that you want in your program and why this is a good place for him to be. Um, But as far as the social structure and things like that, that would be negative recruiting to me. Uh, We can overcome that very quickly when when we get a young man or we can get a difference maker, whether that be a parent, grandma, grandpa, coach, uh, mentor, whatever it may be out here on a trip with them and they they see Cache Valley, they see the university, they understand the quality of life here and and what it brings for the kids to be able to uh, be focused on school, be focused on their social life and 
you know, be focused on their athletic life. So it's a good spot for them to do that. But getting on campus usually takes away any of that negativity. Um, but we also do deem ourselves as a very special fit here. Um, Utah State is a special fit. There's lots of places in the country that uh, are a much different feel than we are. But we love our field, and that's what we're going to recruit to. So um, if, if you don't like it when you walk in here and you're here for 48 hours, then you're probably not going to like it when you're here for six months or five years or whatever it may be. So probably need to find a different place. He's Gary Anderson. He's the head coach at Utah State, and he's got a bye week, so he might be at a high school game near you. Keep your eye out. <laughs> Gary, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Okay, appreciate you guys. Have a wonderful week. Go Aggies. There's Utah State coach Gary Anderson with PKNI. When we come back, we'll go to Kalani Sataki's press conference. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. So, Kalani Sataki meeting with the media. Got to get back at it. Two and three. Got to get back to 500 here against South Florida. BYU actually favored by five and a half points going into this. Uh, South Florida is going to be starting a freshman quarterback. Um, you know, it's an intriguing game. If the Cougars get it, they're three and three going into the second half of the season. When the schedule there looks a lot easier than the first half of the season. You know, if they lose this and they're two and four with Boise State and Utah State coming up, wow, that doesn't leave you much room to get to. Uh, doesn't leave you much room to be bowl eligible. Those two games look really difficult. It's a big game. Here's Kalani Sataki with the media, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I know you're nine days past this game, but looking mm-hmm. back at the film from Toledo, what did you guys take away? Uh, yeah, it seemed like a long goal, but uh, we've already had a week of practice since then. But um, obviously a lot of mistakes, and the guys played hard, you know, and uh, I needed to put them in a position where they can have more success as a coach. What areas did you focus on during the bye week? All three phases, yep, all of them. So we were able to get a lot of work done, and we have some, you know, new quarterback that we were getting get ready. So we took a, advantage of that extra time, and um, you know, there's a lot of competition going on still on this team. So uh, trying to find ways to get get our guys to execute at a higher level, and so that's what that was our main focus this week. What have you seen last from, week? What have you seen from Jaron this past week in practice that, you, that you've liked so far? Um, yeah, he's extremely confident, and uh, I think he's ready for this moment. And I'm really excited for him. I know he's really excited, and the players are, are responding to him well. And, and uh, you know, Zach still has a, a role and is there as a, as a mentor and help, help uh, coach um, all he can do right now and be a support to his teammates. And I thought uh, we had really. Really good practices last week with Jaron running the show and gave some opportunities for Joe and for Baylor to get some reps as well. Many just assume, I think, that Jaron's a run for his quarterback. Just speak to maybe his abilities as a passer as well because in high school he was a really good pocket passer. Mm-hmm. And I think the um, main, main emphasis in his recruiting was that he was going to be a quarterback. And I think he could play a lot of different positions because he's athletic. He can do a lot of different things. But uh, his focus was being able to throw the ball and be a quarterback. And... And that's why we've kept him pretty much at that position. And, and um, you know, we've used him a little bit here and there on different things and schemes. But uh, he came here to play quarterback. And I'm, 
you know, unfortunate that there there was an injury, but uh, really happy that, that he's ready to seize the moment and take advantage of this opportunity that he has for him. How much do you think the uh, him getting the first team reps in the off season? How much do you expect that to pay off now in this opportunity for him? Yeah, it's it's. I think it was huge, but for for him, um, just since he got home from his mission, uh, just seeing him improve every week has been really nice, and and that's from the offseason even during fall camp he's a much better player now than he was in the beginning of August so uh, we see the projection for him getting even better every week and and uh, I think this is uh, now given more reps I think it'll be uh, we should see the improvement happen day to day. Has there been any noticeable changes to the offense with Jaron Hall leading them? Uh, We have a lot of different things in the offense that we put in you know early in fall camp and so uh, I think we can choose, uh, pick and choose from what we already established and what we already uh, kind of run as a system. And uh, obviously, Jaron has a lot of strengths that are different than other quarterbacks. And but uh, you know, he can throw the ball too. So I, I think uh, we'll, we'll see what happens on Saturday. How when you went through that? this last year with Tanner and switching out, um, does that help you in a way for this year? Although this, as far as although last year you changed styles, this year you probably won't change styles as much. I think the biggest help was the bye week. We had the same time happened last week, last year, and so getting the extra practice time, I think, has been the the, the main benefit for us. And, and last year was still kind of a new system, you know. And this year, the guys are way more familiar with the offense, and and um, you know, with extra extra practice time, I think it's going to help Jaron a lot. But uh, he's a student of the game. He prepares really well, uh, multi-sport athlete, and so he he's a guy that's been in in the situation when his number's been called and he's had success doing it. So we're looking forward to having him do that. The same type of mentality that he has in baseball and all the other sports that he's done. I mean, he does that with everything he does. If you if you know anything about him, see what he does in practice. Uh, since he got home from his mission, seeing him approach every day, the guy is, is just waiting for his number to be called and it just happens to be this week. How did you feel about the run game uh, in the first week without Tyson with, with Soup and um, uh, the rest of the running backs there? Yeah, I mean, I think they, they, they're capable of, of, of running the ball, and obviously it hurts not having Tyson in there, but I think the guys are ready for the, their moment as well. and um, You know, just take advantage of the opportunities when they have their number called and giving them runs, and and maybe we can lean on them a little bit more, but we'll have to wait and see. I think uh, going into the game plan and, and things that we want to do, I'm not trying to give away too much, but I think we, we can do a lot of different things that, that we've shown, and to me it's just executing whether it's a run or pass. Doesn't really matter. We just need to score points. Last week, the state of California passed that bill SB 206, Fair Pay to Play Act. What impact do you think that's going to have on college football and, and college athletics? I don't know. I'm not focused on that right now. I mean, that's it. Seems like that's going to be something that that that'll kind of show itself a little bit more as time goes on. But I'm just focused on trying to get our third win this week. That's all our focus is trying to execute and play better. As far as the backup uh, for 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 Jaron, um, Critchlow and uh, Baylor Romney both what's his or who, who is the primary backup and what can we read into that? that two guys. You can read the or as really being the or. That's. <laughs> so is it, is it a week to week thing? Yeah. So I, I think the competition or? has to be for them as well. From last week to this week, they got significant more reps than they normally would, with Zach being out and Jaron being the first string reps, and so. Uh, I don't know if we're – the reason why the ore is there is because we're not set on who that that is yet. And so the, I think it will take time. Maybe 
by the time we get to Thursday, that'll be more definite. But right now, um, we're still kind of feeling it out. But the main focus is trying to get as many reps as we can with our with our starter, and that's Jaron. And then I think both of those guys are capable. Joe's had experience starting before, and uh, both bring different strengths to the to the table. So it'd be the coaches being able to f- feel that out and probably establish it soon. It just didn't didn't happen today. So maybe after today, Did you- we'll have it, have it more definite. Did you practice more last week in a bye week than you would have normally having to make that transition? No, I, I think about the same, you know, and, and, and in the past it's been more um, emphasis on depth and, and um, I think this week is kind of the same emphasis by necessity, you know, but uh, I still believe in working hard and, and um, getting some really good work. We were in the weight room four days last week and had some really good practices and, and uh, we're physical, we had pads on and um, I think the only difference is we didn't play a game, you know. But I think the uh, preparation for our guys has to be the same. And we had an extra week of introducing our opponent, so this is going to be the approach we need to get this win. And and that happened from last week to now. And our guys know it. But more than anything, we need to see our guys play their best. And, and we haven't seen that. And that's my my job as a coach to make sure that they're in a position to play their best this Saturday. Third down conversion rate was a, was a big goal coming into the season. What do you feel through the first five games you've seen on film that would maybe say areas that your offense can can improve on converting third downs? Yeah, third and short, let's get it. That's what it comes down to. And I think those are the easier ones to convert, and we should, we should have a higher percentage of converting those. So, And defensively, um, get out of third and long situations and – whether it's us giving um, plays up by our mistakes or whatever it is, doesn't really matter. I just want the ball back to our offense or our dynamic punt returner. As a defensive coach, do you recall that when the term RPO kind of came into the vernacular, and, mm-hmm. and also is it hard to defend and say another form of offense? Yeah, it is. I mean, that's just kind of what the new thing is now, and um, it goes the game goes in phases, you know, and, and so. Um, it's, it puts a lot of stress on the linebackers, and um, uh, you know they're not allowed to run downfield till f- three yards. But that's not even uh, a hard line there, you know. And, and um, so that's one of those things that you you prep, prep your guys to be ready for. And our offense runs it too. So defensively, you just have to be able to to play against it. And that's um, that's a lot of teams are leaning on that heavily right now. And, and with athletic quarterbacks that can run and throw. It causes more options and more issues for defense, and we have to be disciplined in assignment sound. What type of team do you see when you look at South Florida? A lot of athleticism and speed, and you know, and, and um, I know Coach Strong. He's been around for a long time, and and he'll have those guys playing hard, and, and they're coming off a win. So we're going to their house, and um, we have to be ready for this game. And, and, and more than anything, we respect them a lot, and and uh, but from from my purpose we're just trying to get our team ready it doesn't really matter who we play against this week we're going to respect them and scout them like we have been but i'm more con- more concerned with how we're playing as a unit more than anything right now jaron jaron will become the first african-american quarterback to start for byu mm-hmm. what is the historical significance of that and do you think that can provide maybe a a recruiting boost or kind of a maybe change byu's image in any way Oh, I'm not really concerned with that. That wasn't the the. I, I know that's concern. not why, I mean, but he'll be the first quarterback to start from Maple Mountain High School too. So, <laughs> if you're going to draw up all those con- you know comparisons, I 
I think it's awesome that, that you're seeing so many different types of quarterbacks, whether it's um, backgrounds or race or whatever is involved. I just like that the game of football has – we've seen a lot of things. It's been 150 years now and seen a lot of cool things happen. We, we have uh, Polynesians playing quarterback too, and so a lot of crazy things are happening right now. And we've had 300-pounders play quarterback in the past, and so – uh, I think if you ask all our old linemen, they think they can play quarterback and half of our defensive linemen. But um, that's kind of like the position everybody wants to play first, you know. And I just, I'm glad that, that Jaron was able to get this start and, and, and that he's excited for it. You know, he, he, he's a legacy kid. His dad uh, spilled his blood and sweat on that field as well. And so I think it's a cool connection that he can have. I don't know how many father-son combos have happened in this program. And in the backfield, and, and I think it's something that he can um, just look back at and be really proud of. And, and his, his family should be really proud of the things that they've done with their sons. And this is Jaron's time to shine. We're really excited for him. Where is the biggest, I guess, difference between him and Zach in terms of their game? Before they were similar in terms of their ability. But... I think they have um, similar approaches to the game. They're, 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 they study the game a lot, and they're good friends, and they spend a lot of time together. And I think Zach's really excited for Jaron and, and the opportunity he has in front of him. But um, they're really competitive, and that's one, one thing that's very similar. But when it comes to style of play, I think both of them can run, both of them can throw, and that's why we recruited both of them to come here and compete. So that's um, – I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to give out any scheme or anything like that, but I think we can do – they can do – they're very similar. They can play similar styles of football and just – you know, the difference is Jaron plays baseball on his off time a little bit. During the bye week, I mean, obviously recruiting becomes a big thing. What, uh, you know, when it comes to recruiting in a bye week, what, what goals do you and your staff look to accomplish in that bye week on the recruiting trail? We'll connect with our recruits that we have committed to us and and, um, and then reach out for ones that are hard gets and then swing and see what happens. You know, that's that fit this the profile. We have a very... Um, specific group that we can recruit and a lot of it has to do with academics first you know and so uh, working with that type of with that net and recruiting we have to take advantage and and, and go for for guys that are hard gets and you know Tyson wasn't an easy one as well so there's a there's a recruits that we can reach out to and keep working hard to get and, and they can see the value of being here at BYU socially and academically and, and spiritually as well transfer portal we've talked to them in the past about it like a lot of guys were seeing them enter during the season will you mm-hmm. guys look at guys like that in season or do you guys wait until the postseason for you i think that's part of recruiting yeah I, I think i think you're you're a foolish not to um but there's a lot that goes into it too the background why a guy's leaving and um and there's a lot of things we can do to, to follow up on on the recruiting that just puts them out there just kind of gives everybody an opportunity to look into them a little bit more and we're, we're going to do that as well player ran practices were a big thing in, in fall camp and in the mm-hmm. did you kind of empower your leadership council to kind of take some player ran practices this past week you know it hasn't really been that big of an emphasis because it's already happening you know the players are involved in and in, in teaching and, and and helping each other on, on the field and off the field so uh, i don't i in the past we've had to create some opportunities for them to do that because it's still kind of new and now I think it's it's running really well and I just need to be more uh, more mindful of it and see if there's if there's more opportunities where they can really uh, you know have a hand in, in helping out in, in everything and the, but the teaching and the learning has been taking place already it's been, it's been running so uh, maybe we can wrap it up a little bit more but there's things that coaches need to do first I, I have no issues with the way the players are approaching everything. They work hard. 
They prepare hard. They practice hard. They play hard. They've given us the effort on the field. Uh, you can see it as well as I do. Us coaches need to put them in a position where they can have success and, and win games. How do you get that to the point where they're playing smart? Because they are playing hard, mm -hmm. but it seems to be that the playing smart is where it's kind of let you down maybe at occasions in the last few weeks. Where how do you how does that how do you get that to translate more and more frequently? Well, a lot of the the mistakes that happened with really young guys and, and inexperienced guys, and they just got to grow up, you know, and 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 know the game and 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 know the position they're in and. And uh, that's just that's their their job, and I think they're willing to do that. And as coaches, we need to make sure that we get them ready. We've taught this emphasis on getting our depth ready, and and that also includes making sure that the young guys are are uh, in in a position where they can have success and they and minimize their mistakes. And mistakes are part of the game. We always say that effort and um, and uh, you know, grit will get you through some of those mistakes. But there's a lot of times that we, the self-inflicted wounds, we we're mid-season form now. That that should never ever happen. You're a player. When when you played, did it take a player two to kind of get into the rhythm of the game? And you know, did you find yourself taking a player two to just kind of get used to? Because you've done a lot of shuffling with guys coming in and out. And I just mm -hmm. wonder. From your playing days, do you remember it taking you a play or two at times to kind of get back into to the flow, or is it just step on the field and go? Uh, that getting used to it is in the pregame stuff, you know, and everyone's got to be ready and get warmed up. And and once the ball's in the air, everyone should be ready for the, their moment. And uh, we rotate a lot like other teams do, you know. We're no different than what Washington does with their team and their their rotation and USC and Utah and other places. So. Uh, the keys for those guys to be ready to roll. And that's, when I played, that seems like so long ago. If you're trying to draw comparisons from back then, we're all in trouble. You know, that's, uh, I think there's some cool principles that carry over, but the game's different now than it was back then. And, and if you look in even high school, the kids are much bigger and faster and stronger now. And, and uh, you know, we just have to adjust to the, t to the times. And, and uh, for us, I, for me, I'm just still focused on what we can control. And that's, Minimizing mistakes, make sure that we play fast, and then and I do everything we can to get wins. Is the training staff giving you a timetable on Zach's return? No, they've given me like a window, and I don't talk about injuries unless they're season-ending, and this one isn't. So, sorry, guys. Last question. I tried to sneak that. Yeah, I noticed that. It wouldn't be a Monday if you didn't do that. Fisherman Jerry. Right? Yeah, there he is. Anything else? <laughs> Trying to do whatever you can you to upset that me. You're focused on getting your third win this weekend. Is there a mm. sense of urgency for that win? There's been a sense of urgency every week, you know, and that's um, I think. Uh, is this one sort of like make it or break it? No, I don't. No, this is this week, and and um, we just had an extra week to prepare for it, but I don't think like that. I just think of. Just trying to what the make it or break it for me is we need to play our best and then and, and we need to see improvement, you know, and that's that's what I control. And I'm saying it to you, but I should be looking in the mirror. So this is stuff that, that I'm urgent to get fixed. And I think the, 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 the players deserve it and the fans deserve it. So I'm looking forward to making it happen. There's Kalani Sataki with the media. When we come back, Kyle Whittingham at his press conference. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utes are 14-point favorites over Oregon State. Coming off a of bye week, Kyle Whittingham met with the media. PK and I among them. Uh, I was dressed up for TV. at a tie on. PK was still in radio mode. So you'll hear Kyle reference that in the middle of the interview. Yes, he's talking to the two of us. Here's Kyle Whittingham on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, back on the road this week, uh, Oregon State. Had a nice win uh, this past weekend. Um Played Stanford tough in another Pac-12 game earlier in the season. Uh, very balanced team, running the ball for over 200 yards a game and throwing it for uh, another 270 or so. So doing a nice job on offense. Uh, outstanding in the red zone. Uh, over 80% touchdowns in the red zone with their offense. So so they're doing some really good things offensively. Uh, got a back that's running the ball effectively over seven yards a carry. Uh, big time receiver and the quarterback's playing well so <clears throat> we'll get our hands uh, full obviously uh, anytime you go on the road in the Pac-12 it's a challenge any week's a challenge for that matter but particularly on the road um, and like I said they're coming off a nice win and and uh, so playing with some confidence right now and uh, we're going to have to be at our best no doubt about it so questions <coughs> Just looking at some of the stats through the first five games, the uh, opponents that you faced have uh, held the ball for just an average of 4.88 plays per possession in the second half, and you've been able to score them as the team 72 to 22 after halftime. What what has really happened in the second half that you guys have been able to adjust so effectively to each defense that you faced? Well, I think just that adjustments, halftime adjustments have been uh, very good for us so far this year. Uh, <clears throat> credit the coaches, assistant coaches for doing a, gr- a great job at halftime of, of making tweaks and changes to, to what, what's going on. And uh, players are, you know, they're, in, they're uh, you know, Physically in good shape. I mean, our strength coach does a great job. I don't know what else to say other than their 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 level of training is is very high, and they don't seem to uh, get tired. Plus, we haven't played a lot of snaps on defense. I know that's a, a big part of a defense. We've played uh, you know the, the fewest snaps in the Pac-12, and I would imagine uh, you know one of the fewest snaps in the nation. I don't know that for certain, but I got to believe that that we'd be up there uh, in that category. And credit the offense for doing a great job of controlling the football in the second half. That's been another big part of it is uh, possessing the football and not turning it over. How did you find R.J. Hubert in that small town in Nevada? And did you have any concerns about how the small school level would translate to the Pac-12? Yeah, R.J., uh, I think it was Freddie uh, Whittingham that found R.J., if I remember correctly, and he was at a small little place down in Nevada. Um, was a tremendous high school player, uh, predominantly offensively. That's where he really was, was uh, where he stood out. But uh, we knew that when we recruited him, there was a chance that he would play on the defensive side. There always is a concern of, you know, when you're playing at a small school, the level of competition and how, how he'll project, how the player will project it uh, at the college level without having had uh, 
really stiff competition, but but his measurables, you know, track numbers were really good. I mean, long jumper, 100 meter guy, and uh, you know, had the size, the height, the weight. So that stuff is legit no matter where you are, you know, those track times. And so we uh, took a shot on him. He was a mission guy. We knew he was going to serve a mission first, and uh, which would give him two more years to develop. And uh, so far, he's uh, he's been a really good take for us. He's been a good member of our football team. Kyle, coming off a of bye week where all your guys go out and recruit, <clears throat> is there an ideal number of commits or offers that you guys would like to have out at this time of year? Do you guys look at that as a, you know, a, I don't know, like in October, do you want to have a certain amount of commits or a certain amount of offers that have been thrown out to, to guys? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I, I think it's a year-by-year thing because every year is different some years you have more to give than others uh, we on paper it looks like we're further behind than most schools oftentimes when that's not really the case because we have returned missionaries they're going to be coming back in the program that we signed two years ago and so we think we're in a good spot right now um, we have uh, I think we only have three more to give on O and uh six or seven on D so we're we're getting close to the end you know when you talk about 25 initials uh, you know we're getting we're getting down there um, but and as far as the offers extended you know we keep track of all that who has what offers out there in the pack 12 and I think we're right in the, the middle of the pack there as far as offers extended but but oftentimes like I said it's misleading for us because we have uh, return missionaries that figure into the equation Oregon State's been down a couple years, and, and when you transitioned into the conference, you had a couple five and seven seasons. How do you build a program in the Pac-12 in order for it to be successful? Recruiting. That's in a word, recruiting. That's that's the key. I've said that. You guys are sick of me saying that, but I'll keep saying it because it's still the it's uh, it's applicable. But uh, that's that's what it takes. Is just continue continually upgrade your roster, get bigger, faster, stronger. And, uh, you know, continuity helps as well. You know, teams that are changing coaches every two or three or four years, that, that's tough to get some continuity. And so that's, a, that's another big part of it is, is continuity in your coaching staff because that right there assists in recruiting as well. Kyle, facing Oregon State, their quarterback, I think, is the National Player of the Week by one organization, about <clears throat> six foot seven. Does that present challenges to face a tall quarterback? Not necessarily. It's harder to bat a ball down, you know, when, when you got a guy with that high launch point. But uh, as far as just that, the height in and of itself, other than making it more difficult to uh, knock it down at the line of scrimmage, I don't think there's any real uh, challenge, you know, differently than any other quarterback. And then I was going to ask about run defense. And you guys are doing among the national leaders in that. And the old cliche, it all begins with stopping the run. Absolutely. That's my belief, our belief. And, and uh, it's not true every single week because there are some exceptions. But uh, we've got some pretty good run stoppers up front between Lucky Foto and John Penasini and Bradley and I and, and Mika Tafua and Max Tapai. I mean, those guys uh, do a great job of controlling the line of scrimmage. And if you control the line of scrimmage, that frees your backers up to, to flow and fit where they need to. And, and uh, we expected going into the season that we'd be pretty good on run defense. And I think that's you know, proven to be the case. Without giving away strategy, choose to match up against a star receiver with a particular cornerback. Uh, are there any disadvantages or complications to that? Does it disrupt the scheme in some way? Uh, a few disadvantages. The corner, if, if a team lines up that particular receiver in different locations, you know, sometimes it's difficult to get located and, and you know, corners get where they need to be. So that's, that's probably the biggest issue is, is logistically getting aligned where you need to be. Once you're aligned, 
then everything falls into place. But but that is a, a strategy we have used in the past, and of course we'll look at it again this week if it's applicable. But but uh, we got uh, you know Jalen Johnson who's a weapon for us, and so you're you know, you're not maximizing your your uh, personnel if you're not doing it you know at least a percentage of the time. So so that's something that uh, we have done. We'll continue to do. And like I said, the hardest thing is if if a receiver is lining up in a multitude of different locations then uh, having that corner find him is, uh, can be challenging. Coach, is there anything more definitive on Britton Covey's status? No, just uh, same as I said the last time, that it's a pretty much a week-to-week thing. Uh, right now he is in redshirt mode, but that's subject to you know, pulling the plug on that if, if situations dictate or if he starts feeling you know, a lot better very soon. And uh, the point of no return is probably – I think I said two or three games away uh, a week ago. This, of course, the bye week didn't have any impact on that. So, once we get eight or nine games into the season, that'll be the time when when we uh, make a, a final decision one way or the other. And after the Washington State game, you said you, you hope to have a full stable of running backs. Do you still hopeful of that? Still hopeful of that. Yes, that would be great. We'll see what happens. When you see something unusual, do you have your guys practice against it multiple times? I'm talking about Oregon State with that uh, kickoff where they treated it like a free kick and dropped it and punted yeah. it a mile high. Yeah. Can, can you replicate that in practice? Yeah, we can. And that you know, you, you do things you see on tape that are out of the norm. Uh, you definitely expose your players to in practice and have them work on it and, and have the applicable and appropriate strategy and, and how we're going to combat it. Yeah. You two have a big discrepancy in your dress all the time. I was going to ask you, how do you think he looks in purple? <laughs> no comment. Probably for the best. With uh, with Bam, you talked about how you might use four games. We for definitely him. will use four games, not Mike. Selectively. Might. Is there any thought to you've got a senior quarterback, some guys will probably be off to the NFL, and you have a great shot to win the Pac-12 and would you possibly need him in more games than that and just go for it all this year to get to the Rose Bowl? That's a good point, and it's possible, but I think with the timing of where it's, what it's going to, the time it will take to get him up to speed and feeling completely comfortable in what we're doing, because he's been working mostly with the scout team prior to now. Uh, you know, if he was game ready now and ready to jump in, that would be a, a more difficult decision than I think it's going to be two or three weeks from now when he is ready because now we're, you know, four games left in the season-ish, somewhere in that range. But good point, good point. Kyle, statistically, Oregon State's defense has struggled a bit. Is this a week where uh, the offense is licking their chops, so to speak? Well, I wouldn't say they're licking their chops. We're always looking, you know, for the matchups. And, you know, football's a game of matchups. You know, what it boils down to, you know, it's one-on-one matchups. That's the that's the biggest part of the game. It's not overall scheme as much as this player against that player. And you're always looking for a way offensively to to uh, maximize that. And same with your defense. I mean, it's, it's no, no different there. And so... Uh, I would just say that we're going about our business in our normal fashion and trying to find the best way to move the football and take care of it and and all that type of stuff. Obviously, you were the favorite to win the South. You're the highest-ranked team in the South. You're favored heavily this week. Anything that you need to be aware of as you go into this game as far as being the hunted instead of the hunty? No, other than as it's plays out pretty much every week in the Pac-12. If you're not ready to play, it's so balanced. This team is so balanced. Just because you're picked to win the South doesn't mean it's you and then everybody else. It's, you know, it's a very 
competitive league week in and week out. And so we just take the same approach every week that we've got to be at our best if we want to uh, win the game because uh, anybody in any given week, the old the old cliche that anybody can beat anybody in this league any given week, I think that's proven uh, just about every week somebody does that. Now, you've always talked about waiting till about mid-season to kind of judge your team. Where, where do you feel like your team is, is doing well? I can't well? tell you because it's not mid-season. <laughs> We're one game away. Okay. But I like how it's shaping up, but we'll see. There's Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, what is trending? Four baseball playoff games, an undefeated team in the NFC after Monday Night Football. We'll get to all that next. Stay with us.